We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the show, Ivy Nation Sports Talk, and it is Midweek Mailbag Day. He's Vince Dario. I'm Sean Styers. How are you today, Vince? I'm fantastic. We got one day of school left, Sean Styers. One day of school left. I bet so you're fantastic. Feeling pretty good right about now. Well, feeling pretty darn good. I know you're teaching summer school. Do you have any other, as a an administrator type, do you have any other summer duties? that you have to take care of so i uh not to go too into the weeds here i have a contract plus five is what it's called so i have to work five extra days three at the beginning of the year two at the end of the year so technically i'm not done until next wednesday okay but you know no that's no kids i'll go to school all day without kids i was gonna say no kids to get in trouble though in the meantime (laughs) exactly it's like you know it's like a wrap-up you know paperwork you know that kind of fun stuff no big deal so i got a few more days left but the kids are all done tomorrow and that's glorious yes i've got uh thursdays are gonna start looking different here on the old ib yeah channel brian and i are gonna have an afternoon show i have no idea what we're talking about tomorrow afternoon but we'll be talking about something then i've got two guests (laughs) two guests lined up for tomorrow so for tomorrow night's Ooh, show at six o'clock. that uh so. that escalated quickly as they would say uh because we were spitballing some ideas yesterday and all of a sudden you got to yeah. guess i'm impressed i decided there's there's one and i'll save it as a surprise for tomorrow one we've got another opponent um beat writer that i'll be talking okay. to the other one is kind of it's it's he's a little bit different kind of guest, but I think it's going to be fun. Like especially for guys in our age demographic, you know, like the forty Ooh, plus. Okay. Probably, I don't know where exactly the cutoff is, but we're gonna have some fun with the second guest tomorrow. There's like it's tied into Notre Dame football and definitely tied into sports, but it's a little bit different, a little off the beaten path. It's a good summer guest, I think you'd say but like one that. that i think that a lot of people will still find very interesting so little tease there for tomorrow's show i feel teased i feel like i've been teased <laughs> appropriately I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad you feel teased i'm glad you feel teased <laughs> all right well we've got a couple questions in here two or three lined up fire your questions off and we will get to them of course on today's show and in the meantime 
smash that old like button and subscribe rate and review and all that good stuff i'm i'm thrown off you know usually when when you have one of these holiday weeks it feels like the hmm. day you're on is like the day you know previous i've I've felt like I should be ahead a day. Like I, it's felt like right. Thursday all day today instead of Wednesday. So I, I'm all over the map because we, like you said, we had Monday off because it was Memorial day. And then uh -huh. the kids last day is tomorrow. So it like, it feels like it's going to be a Friday. You know, I, I'm all over the place, man. I, I can't tell one day from the next. And I took a half day yesterday to do the show with Brian. This whole week has just been nutty and weird week. Yep. And just to top it all off, Sean Styers, tomorrow, there's a blast from your past, is the first day of summer camps at Notre Dame. Oh, wow. So I've been meaning to ask you if you're still doing that. So you're still oh, you're yeah. still running the old camp. This is year what? You've been doing 15, this for a while now. 15. 15 years. Now, two of those years were canceled because of a you know global pandemic. But right. I would have done it. I would have done it. So this is the would have been the 15th summer. I guess 13th technically. But yeah. Stretches 15. back 15 years. 15 Crazy, years since huh? started it anyway. Yeah. Yep. My goodness. Remember some of that crew from back in the day? Well, one of the crew who was a high school kid when we first started became my assistant and now has like, you know, a husband and two kids. So like that's wow. how long it's been since I've been doing this. Man. So. Way back. Way back. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's go to Rob's question. Let's start let's with this. Oh, this is a good one, though. Part one. With the potential of an increased downfield attack, do you think it's possible to get more rushing yards with less attempts? Part two, keeping the defense honest and not stacking the box like they did last year. Thank you. Thank you for the question, Rob. It's a good one, I think. No, it's a really good question. It's an X's and O's question, which is always fun. And I would say there it's not the potential of an increased downfield attack. There will be a downfield attack. There, There's no doubt about it. Uh, if you... Uh, watch any any of the uh, you know the, the blue gold game practice you've watched any tape of Sam Hartman and what he does or if you're on the message board and you looked at Brian's three-part series of you know downfield throws by Sam Hartman there's going to be an increased downfield attack no doubt about it right so could they get more rushing yards with less attempts I think it's definitely possible because you know Notre Dame over the past few years with Ian Book uh, you know, at the helm, even last year and the year before, I would say every year that since Ian, so 2018, 2019, 2020, and you had Jack Cohn in 2021, so maybe a little bit less, but definitely last year in 2022 with Drew Pine, teams are stacking the box against Notre Dame because they know that they can run and that's what they have to stop, right? And they were still able to have you know, good numbers in the running game for the most part overall, right? Well, when you have somebody that can spread the ball around and not only just pushing the ball down the field, we're also talking about using the field, the width of the field as well, all 53 and a third yards wide, because I think that's also going to occur, right? It, they have to loosen the box. And then if they loosen the box, that obviously opens up things in the run game. So long story short, Yes, I do think that they could have more rushing yards with less attempts. I absolutely do think that because I don't think it's going to be the same old run, run, pass, punt situation that the offense has been, you know, in the last year or two. I think it's going to be much more balanced. I think they're going to be throwing the ball on first down. 
I think they're going to be running the ball when they want to run the ball. Uh, I think it's going to be a very effective offense, and I think they're going to they're going to gash some people on the ground. There's no doubt about that. But Sam Hartman's going to get his numbers too. Yes, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> and I was I saw this question in the queue, and Vince logged in, and I was sitting here, and I was like scribbling stuff down, and it was like I was cramming for the test, you know, right before the. Uh, you know, class was about to begin and they were about to start handing out the test. Do they even hand out tests anymore? I don't know. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S. based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. I went and what I was doing, I was comparing it to what USC did last year. Long story short, I agree with what Vince is saying. I think at the very least, you're going to have a higher yards per attempt average this year. You're going to like last year, Notre Dame only averaged 4.6 yards per carry, which is solid but not great. USC averaged 5.1 per carry. They had 60 fewer attempts than Notre Dame, but they also threw for 335 yards per game, whereas Notre Dame only averaged 207 passing yards per game. So I, I think that Notre Dame is minimal, going to be much closer, you know, right around at 300 passing yards per game but because of the you know and USC didn't have like a legitimate serious rushing attack either you know part of their rushing attack was still Caleb Williams and his ability and they had okay running backs pretty good offensive line as we saw a much improved offensive line as we saw but Notre Dame's combination of what they have in the backfield and the offensive line and that downfield attack that Vince was just detailing there you know, even though USC might have the potential number one overall draft pick quarterback next year, I think Notre Dame's combination of all three things is going to be better. And so while they might not necessarily end up with a lot more rushing yards per game, they are going to have a lot more passing yards oh, per yeah. game. And I think the, again, I think the Rushing efficiency at the very least is going to be better with better yards per attempt, 
you're going to have easier third downs to convert all those different kind of things. Yeah. I, I, so I think I wanna... we're a little bit off, but you know, yeah. again, I think same idea. I, I think, I think the rushing efficiency at the very least is going to be better. You don't necessarily have to have a whole lot more rushing yards because, you know, like Notre Dame only averaged 18 more rushing yards per game than USC last year, you know? So even, yeah. even if you're the same rushing yards, but your passing yards increases by almost 100 per game and the yards per attempt goes up, you know, over that five, which I think it will. I think they'll, I think that they'll rush for over five yards per carry this season. And uh, a lot of it's going to be attributable, attributable to what you were talking about is the loosened up boxes. You know, they're not going to be able to stack boxes and all that kind of stuff because of the threat of the passing game that's going to be there. Well, and I think the the passing game is going to be like people are underselling the passing game. So, like Matt D says, I I would oh sorry, I would love to see a Notre Dame quarterback throw for over three thousand yards. That would attract future QB recruits. That's averaging two hundred and thirty yards a game. Yeah, Sam Hartman's going to go well over three thousand yards. He's going to push. He's going to be between thirty five hundred and four thousand. Absolutely. I mean, and that's yeah. not even having a prolific passing season. To be honest yeah. with you, right? I mean. Right. Like I said, 13 games, you assume Notre Dame's going to win more than six games, so they're going to get a bowl game, right? And if Sam Hartman is healthy, so that's 13 games. 3,000 divided by 13 is 230. He's going to have well over that. I, I would not be surprised if he averaged over 300 yards a game, right? And if yeah. it's 300 yards a game, it's pretty simple math, and right? Again, 300 times 13, it's 3,900 yards. Like, yeah. Using like Caleb, using Caleb Williams as a gauge, he threw for a little over forty five hundred yards last year. That's three twenty four per game. So again, like if you go, if you drop the twenty four off and you only go to three hundred, that's thirty six hundred yards right there. Right. If you're averaging three hundred yards per game, which yeah. I think is to me incredibly that's, doable. I mean, yeah, like, to me that's yeah. the floor. You yes. Know? I, I completely agree. The only you. thing that will knock that off is if they have big leads and they are just running the ball all the time in the fourth quarter, which could right. happen a lot because of some of the sure. teams that they're going to play. Well, and that's the thing. So, like, you know, we don't know Marcus Freeman and Jared Parker as a combo, right, offensive combo, and what it's going to look like if, if there's a blowout scenario. In the past, they didn't take the starter out of the game. They, they just didn't. You know, with Brian mm -hmm. Kelly, they didn't take the starter out of the game. Period. And we complained about that all the time. The, the, the backup would never get any kind of meaningful reps. If he did come in, it'd be like for one series, and it would be handing the ball off all the time, right? And what is that going to look like with Marcus Freeman? Is he going to, you know, if it's a blowout against Tennessee State, if, it, if they're up by 35, 40 points or whatever, you know, in the first half, you give the offense like another drive, let them go down and score. And then you start cycling in the twos and the threes or whatever, right? As an example, or are you going to keep them in the entire time and then just not do anything with the football, just hand it off, run between the tackles with your starter. You know, you know what I mean? So like, what mm -hmm. is that going to look like? So does that mean that Sam Hartman's not going to get a lot of second half reps? So maybe that hurts his numbers. Like I I'm very curious, especially in the first three games of the season, to see how they manage the personnel uh, and how long the starters are on the field, but on both sides of the ball, but specifically the offense and the quarterback. I mean, personally, I would love to see Sam Hartman take a, take a seat at that point 
And then you put in Steve Angeli if he's your number two with the ones. Like, give him a couple series with the ones running the offense as opposed to just turning around and doing like what you and I could do and just hand the ball off. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, you know, getting those big leads gives you the benefit of being able to get some of those reserves in there and get them some time. Right. And they were able to do that a couple of times last year. You want to see them do it a whole lot more, especially especially with where you are with the quarterback situation right now. I think you need to get, you know, Angeli, not necessarily meaningful reps, but you need to get him some sure. competitive reps that aren't just, as you just said, just handing the ball off. Still let him run the offense for a series or two if you get those opportunities. Yeah. Absolutely. No question. Jason wants to know how many fewer plays per game to expect with the new clock rules. I think it is what I saw was it's like between 10 and 15 plays per game, you know, like per, with the new per team. Wow. That's a no, lot. Total. Oh, total. total. Okay. That yeah. would make sense. You know, seven, eight plays a, a team. Now, obviously would... some of that depends on what kind of offense you run. Sure. And, you know, those kind of things, but it's, I mean, it's not going to, I don't it, think it's, it's gonna not going to drastically noticeable. alter it. It's just going to, I think, game flow is just going to improve. You're not going to have so many clock stoppages and stuff like that. Yeah, I don't know that it's going to be super noticeable. I still think Notre Dame is going to score a ton of points, and I don't <laughs> think people are going to be like, "Oh, this game is just dragging." Because I, I think it's going to be fun to watch, to be honest. So I don't, I don't know that it's going to be all that noticeable. What, what's going to be noticeable on our end is wow, the game's already over from a time standpoint. Like we're used to games lasting X amount of time. And I think it's obviously going to be shortened. Uh, and I think we're going to notice that. But between the whistles, I don't know that we're going to notice it as much. Yes. Concur. Tommy, over under 500 passing yards for backup quarterbacks in non-injury playing time. This is a really good question. I, you know, I'm not a stat guy like Brian. Like I can't come up with the stats as quickly as he can, but I would be shocked if Notre Dame has ever had 500 yards passing from a true backup the entire game or yeah. the entire season. I was Butler threw for 652 last year. And obviously he was a starter in three games. Um, and, and yeah, the third game or the, you know, the final game, he had a bunch. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So sorry, my eyes are itching. There's just all kinds of. <laughs> junk in the air right now there is. I, i'm going under i think you under know, too. I, I i think maybe a couple hundred at the most I, right i just i don't think that it's i, I don't think that they're going to be throwing that much which you know as he says in non-injury playing time yeah no absolutely i it'll be like i said i want to see steve angeli running the offense but i still don't think they're going to like push the ball down the field and do yeah. you know thing, things that are going to allow his numbers to creep up now, if there's like a game where Sam Hartman can't go and it, and it happens to be, I, I don't know, I can't even think of a game, Duke, for example, and, you know, he goes out there and he throws for 250 yards. Well, he's going to get a lot closer to 500 real quick, right? And then you add in the rest of the games. But outside of him actually starting a game, I just don't, I'm going to take the under on this one as well. Yeah. Ian wants to know what teams can realistically compete for a title this year. What does Notre Dame need to do to be able to solidly be in that group if we aren't already? Well, I mean, you, you know, you take your obviously you take your your big ones, right? So Georgia, 
you got to say Alabama until they're not right. Even though their, their quarterback position is in flux. Okay. So you have to say those two Ohio state until I see that their quarterback stinks, that mm-hmm. they're in the mix. Right. So Michigan. this is a real, this is realistic, right? So Michigan is one because their schedule is incredibly soft. Um, so they've got a chance because they're in a power conference. And the other thing you have to remember too, Michigan, Ohio state, Notre Dame, they all have big games on their schedule that could make or break their season or make or break the opposition's season, right? So you got to put mm-hmm. USC in that category. Well, they right. play Notre Dame, right? You put Ohio State in that category. They play Michigan. They play Notre Dame, right? I think Clemson is in the discussion because until they're not, I think they have to be there, okay? So, but they play Notre Dame. So, I mean, again, there's there's a lot of teams that I, I guess you could put Washington in there. I know they're kind of a, a dark well, horse favorite. I don't think uh, maybe one of those Pac-12 teams has right. the ability to run the table, but they're all playing each other this year. USC, Washington, Oregon, UCLA, and Utah. Those are the five best teams, should be the five best teams in the Pac-12, and they're all playing each other. Like I was looking at the schedules today. And, and I don't see one of those teams being able to run the table. I don't think one of those teams is that much better. And that's going to hurt each of those teams. Yeah, they're going to exactly. knock each other off, right? I mean, exactly. That's, and, that's, and then you throw in the fact that you know USC, as you said, is playing Notre Dame. Yeah, I, I, I have a hard time seeing USC being a, a playoff team at the end of the season, unless they really take another big they're gonna have to run the table in the, in the pack yeah. 12 they're gonna have to because absolutely they can overcome a loss to notre dame because it's in the middle of the season mm-hmm. okay but they've got to run the table the rest of the way they got to be an 11 and one team and they have to be the pack 12 champion right so they would be a 12 and one team a 12 and one usc team is getting in the playoff i mean let's let's be realistic about that right uh, even if that, you know, wherever that loss happens to come, whether it's Notre Dame, whether it's Utah, whether whatever, a 12 and one USC team, I think gets in. I do, because I don't think everybody else is going to be 12 and one. But I also don't there. see them losing just one game. That's, that's, and that's thing, fair because, you because know, they play, you know, there, there's actually a rapid fire question. So maybe I'll kind of save it for that. We're, <laughs> we're talking about sure. playoff teams, but I just, because of USC schedule, it is not conducive to, Ending up in the college football playoff, I don't think, because of who they have to play. And, you know, and, and I'm not saying like Washington, Oregon, Utah, USC are all heavy hitters, but I think that they're all close enough. Sure. That I don't think that, it, you know, and then you throw UCLA in there as well, just because UCLA was such a good running team, you know, a physical running team, which is something that, that USC last year had trouble with, with the exception of Notre right. Dame for whatever reason. But, you know, we talked about that with R.J. Abadia last week. They they went out and they got Bear Alexander from Georgia, but they've got big questions at linebacker that they've got to address. And they're going to play basically all those teams, with the exception of Washington, Oregon, Utah, UCLA, they're going to run the football at you. And I don't sure. know that because of the – and so is Notre Dame for that matter. And because of the way USC schedule sets up, I don't see them being able to, to only lose one you know, like only have one loss at the end of it all. If if they are able to do that, then great for them. But they're also going to have to play a Pac-12 championship game again sure. after that. So, sure. But, and, and again, like because all five of those teams are playing each other, I just don't see one team being able to escape out of that with just one loss. 
Oh, I think that's fair. And I think that, you know, I don't see two Big Ten teams getting in, barring something crazy happening, right? So it's either going to be Michigan or Ohio State. I, I would say that. Uh, you know, do Georgia and Alabama both get in? I, I still have a lot of question marks about Alabama's quarterback position. Now, can they overcome that with the talent that's around them? Sure. But that's a big question mark right now. I need to see some games with whoever they decide to put under center or behind center, I guess, nowadays. I, I need yeah. to see it from Alabama to see, are they a national championship caliber team? Until they're not, I think you have to bring them up, though, right? I mean, it, it's going to be interesting. I think Notre Dame is in that mix. They're a top 10 team, you know, going into the season, I think, legitimately. And like I've said before, they've got three marquee games on their schedule right. to either make it or break it. I mean, it, the national championship discussion is 100% in Notre Dame's hands, 100%. And they hold the path to other teams in their hands as well since they yeah, play Ohio State. They, you know what I mean? They play Ohio State, USC, and Clemson. Like, I think they pretty firmly hold the future of the, all three of those teams for absolutely. 23 this year. So absolutely. Um, so Notre Dame's in that discussion. Absolutely. And there's one more I want to throw in because it's kind of goes along with what we're talking about. Matt D says, if Notre Dame and Ohio state are 11 and one, would USC jump either of those teams to get in now, Matt, what you didn't tell us. Oh, here's winning, which here game? we go. That's so he question. followed it up. Here we go. Would a 12 and one USC team, get in over a 12 and one Ohio state and an, an 11 and one Notre Dame depends on what those losses are and who they were to. Right. So, yeah. I mean, if Notre Dame beats USC and that's the, the loss, then that throws a big wrench into things. Sure. And where's that Notre Dame loss? Did they lose to Ohio state or did they lose to USC? Like who did Notre Dame they lose, lose to? Clemson. to? Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's, that's a big one. I would have to know who they lost to because I think that comes into play. You know, Notre Dame is going to get knocked, obviously, because they don't have a conference championship game. I get that. But I think they're at the end of the day, their strength of schedule is going to be better than both Ohio State and USC. Right. So and this this to all the detractors is like, you know, what we're talking about here. You've got Notre Dame playing three conference front runners this year in, in three different power five conferences clemson usc and ohio state so like you talk about a cross-section of a schedule you know that yeah. you can you know that, that you can compare resumes Ooh. with you know sort of like for people who like to knock notre dame's independence and they don't play in a conference championship game i mean they're they're playing potentially three teams that could end up being conference Absolutely. champions and this is interesting because you say, let's say Notre Dame loses to Clemson. So that means the losses for Ohio State and USC are Notre Dame. Yeah. I can't put them in over Notre Dame. They both lost to Notre Dame. Right. In that scenario. And the question Notre is going to be how, how close the Clemson game is. Sure. And then you also and have on the road. They, that right. was on the road, right? So like, And they're all sitting there with one loss. So, it, so who else? Has other losses, you know. That's that's going to well, be of course. If we're just talking about part of it, those three teams. But if it's those three teams for one spot, like say to get Notre the number four spot, then I think Notre Dame probably gets it. In Absolutely, case. and I don't think there's any discussion. To be honest with you, their losses are Notre Dame's wins. Yeah, I mean, I, it, if you see the discussion comes in when you don't have head-to-head matchups, right? Right. And, and so, 
in this particular scenario, they have head to head. Notre Dame beat both of them. They get in. And but but committee has shown just two years ago that a head to head means nothing because remember when Michigan State beat Michigan and Michigan was ranked ahead of Michigan State. That's true. Anyway, and you know there was all the outrage until Michigan State ended up losing. Right. After that, you got their doors blown off, if I remember. And that, right. But yeah. still, sure. But still, the committee has shown that, like, they think that based on what they're seeing, Team X is better than Team Y, regardless of head to head. They'll go with that. I, so I, I still feel like at the end of the day, with those records, that Notre Dame gets in above both. I would think so. Yeah. But but the other thing to remember is both of those games. One game is going to be in September. The other is going to be in October. The Clemson game would be. In November. in November, more so, recent. Like, like there, yeah. So there's there's enough distance between the September and October by the time the sure. end of the season rolls around that again the committee could disregard that. But I mean, if we're just going like if those are the only losses for each of those teams, then Notre Dame should you know should be the one that comes out on top in that scenario. Yeah, I. And again, it also matters, you know, who the other teams are from the SEC, like what are their records. But I can exactly. tell you right now, I will take an 11-1 and Notre Dame team and I will ride them into the playoff and feel very confident about it. Uh, don't you? Know, depending on, you know, where the loss was, how much was it by, you know, all those different things. I'll, I'll take a one-loss Notre Dame team and I, because I think that they've got a great shot of getting into the playoff. Great shot of getting into the playoff. Because that means they they beat two out of the three of the big names on their schedule, and those are going to be huge wins. I mean, really, it's only going to be an SEC team that's going to have a chance to have a resume like that. Yeah, to have those to have those two kind of quality wins, right? You know, but then again, it's going to come down to can USC hold its own at the end of the schedule? Because I'll tell you what the end of the schedule looks like when we get to that rapid fire question. I don't know if you've looked at it, but. I've looked it's not going to be easy for USC at the end of the season. No, it's not. And I, I just, honestly, I guess if I, all things considered, I think of those three teams, Ohio State, USC, Clemson, I feel like Clemson's the third best. So that, I guess that would then bring into the conversation, you know, was is Notre Dame's loss worse than the other losses, right? So I, there's a lot of conversation, I think, around that, but I still like Notre Dame's chances in that scenario. Me too. Chris, thank, uh, thank you for the super chat. What do you see happening at quarterback in 2024? I see a competition between the three guys that are on the roster and they're going to get somebody in the transfer portal. Um, what they do in the transfer portal, I think, has a lot to do with how Kenny Minchie and Steve Angeli operate during the season this year. How they develop, you know, and, yeah. and we're not going to be we're not going to know. Because we're not there, right? We're going to have our sources and we're going to talk to people and we're going to do all of that. But how confident is this staff in those two plus CJ Carr? Does he go out and just have, you know, one of the best senior seasons in high school and and think that maybe he can come in and compete as a true freshman? Maybe. So what kind of transfer is coming in? Are you getting a transfer like a Sam Hartman? Or are you getting a transfer, you know, that's going to come in and, hey, we're going to give you an opportunity to compete. Uh, but somebody that's not like an automatic, like a Sam Hartman was. You know what I mean? I think you're going to learn a lot about how the staff sees the roster by who they get in the transfer portal. Mark my words, 
they're getting somebody in the transfer portal. That's happening. It just depends on what caliber of guy that they go get. Because if they don't, then you've got the same situation you had last season where you've got two inexperienced quarterbacks coming right. into the season. Right. And you you have to go get somebody. And I yeah, as good as CJ Carr is, and I, I do think he's gonna be, you know, a really good quarterback at Notre Dame, you can't pin all your hopes and dreams on a on a true freshman. Like that's dangerous. That's very dangerous, you know, because what if he's just not as good mentally, like right off the bat? That doesn't mean he's not going to be great down the road, but is he going to be ready to be the quarterback in 24? Like that's, you're taking a big chance on that. At some point though, you know, like the cycle, you know, because, and I agree, it's most likely they're going to go get a, a transfer portal quarterback again next year. But at some point, you're probably going to have to start someone who's inexperienced, right? And for sure, because you know, the 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 risk you take by bringing in another transfer is what just happened. Two quarterbacks transferred. You had two quarterbacks start games for you last year. They both transferred because you brought in, yeah, a, you know, a, a grad transfer quarterback. Now, granted, he's the most experienced grad transfer quarterback you're ever going to get, but you bring one in, you run the risk that someone's gonna leave sure and then you know i know you're absolutely right yeah all right here's one from salty caleb beastly has apparently posted that he will take an official visit to notre dame in september he's a tennessee commit notre dame does not allow official visits from committed kids should they I mean, he's already saying he's coming, so they obviously allow it. They they approve it before, you know, he's allowed to announce that he's coming. So I don't think that Notre Dame doesn't allow official visits from committed kids. I'm pretty sure that they've had committed kids on campus many times. Um, now, maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong on this, and I'm not the expert in recruiting, but I know they've had kids on campus that are committed elsewhere. Now, whether they were quote unquote official visits or not, I'm not, I guess I'm not 100% sure on that. Right. Uh, but I know Caleb Beasley, I think it's Beasley, isn't it? I think so. I feel like it's Beasley. But anyway, uh, from what I've heard from Brian, he is like on flip watch. Like he's the, he's like the guy that they think that has, the, yeah, they, they, he's the guy that they think has the best opportunity to flip from his commitment back over to Notre Dame. So, um. Yeah. So Matt D says ND doesn't allow their committed kids to visit other schools, which right. absolutely is accurate. I don't think it's the other way around. Another super chat. Thank you very much Ooh. from Shelton Hager ninety one. Y'all are awesome. So are you. I started listening to IB in nineteen right before Vince started. The whole IB team is amazing. Keep up the good work. Well, thank yeah, you very man. much. That's awesome. Thanks. That means he was on from day one. He's an OG. He was on from day no one kidding. when Brian was doing solo shows before I got out of my what contract. Say, I didn't even realize he had podcast four years ago. He, they were just audio only. Okay. Um, and he was doing solo shows. He came over in the middle of the season. It was right after the Georgia game is when he left BGI and Gosh, started Irish Breakdown. Yeah. And then I had to do all of his work at BGI for the rest of the season. Uh, and then as soon as that. the bowl, yeah, as soon as the bowl game was over, 
I was a free agent and came on over, which was planned I, all along. But. I guess it shouldn't surprise me that it's been that long because we moved here in the summer to the house that I'm in right now in the summer of 2019. So <laughs> it's like when I start doing like when I think about, you know, it's like 2019, that seems longer ago. But then when I think about it, it's like, oh, yeah, like when I start doing the timeline, because then you go season of 2019 pandemic pandemic season all that different stuff oh and yeah things, yeah that's where it all starts blending in pandemic season yeah. yeah i know yes it does got to know the inside of my house way too well yeah um you know you're taking your chances asking recruiting questions right of of these two guys but vince started so i'll go ahead and ask it, it so i hope that i, I hope think that i know you this have one, an answer though. to this okay <clears throat> so angelo didio when did the Notre Dame admin change their minds on Bronte Johnson, the recent liberal arts major who just transferred in from Penn State with two years eligibility remaining? That seemed to be a different type of. I was looking for the rest of that, and I don't you say is there see a continuation. It, but that's okay. Yeah. Um, no. So Notre Dame didn't change their minds about Bronte Johnson. He's still in high school, so he his grades weren't the best. And I believe Notre Dame basically told him, look, you got to do this, this, and this in order for us to be able to actively recruit you. And he did it. Uh, he did those things in school. He got himself back into an academically uh, sufficient place for Notre Dame to actively recruit him. Um, and so they are. They're, they're back to actively recruiting Johnson. Uh, and so that's that's one thing. So that's one question, right? Then he's saying the recent liberal arts major who just transferred from Penn State with two years of eligibility remaining. Devin Ford is who he's talking about. Correct. Yeah, the, the running, running back. back. Yep. Or she. Uh, I mean, he was in the portal. I don't know exactly what his academic status was or how many. Like, I don't know if he's graduated or I honestly don't know. Um, I think he was at Penn State for three years off the top of my head. I'm not 100% sure on that. You know, and. I don't think there's ever been a blanket policy like Notre Dame's not going to take undergraduate right. transfers. It's it's I think it's all case by case, but the biggest question being how do the academics line up you know in comparison to the school that he's trying to transfer into because it's the dean of each of those schools, you know, that essentially Correct. looks at the transcripts and makes the determination this person is either online, you know, online or on course, you know, going in the right direction to get a degree, all their academics line up, we can take them into the school or they don't, you know, I think that's the biggest thing. There's, so I, there's not like a blanket policy that I think that has been changed, you know, is, which is what I think the, you know, kind of reference point of the question. Right. 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 No, absolutely. And I, I was, let's see. So he, and that's enrolled... something, you know, like we don't, obviously we don't get to see anyone's transcripts when, when they're right. coming in. But right. The fact that the fact that he's coming in, means that his academics lined up. I think that, so, you know, that's really he, all you can read into it. Yeah, so he enrolled at, at, at Penn State in June of 2019. So right. he had 1920, 2021, 21-22, 22-23. So he's been years. there for four years. So he probably so, has a degree, and he's going to probably has with, a degree. two years so, left. Yeah. So he And he took a self-imposed red shirt last year. So that's why he's got two years of eligibility remaining, plus – or the COVID year, all of those different things, right? So he, that's why he's got two years of eligibility left. My guess based on that timeline is that he's got his degree. Um, and that's why it was an easy transfer situation to Notre Dame. Uh, 
because they're going to take grad transfers no matter what. So, right. Boom. Absolutely. Ray says, Brian Kelly was terrible at getting backup quarterbacks meaningful time. How likely is it that Coach Marcus Freeman will get backup quarterbacks playing time and blowout wins? Will he give them quality snaps? That's the big question, right? We talked about that at the top of the show, Sean. I think that's one of the things we're all going to be taking a look at because I think there's an opportunity for some blowouts in this season. And what is that going to look like from a backup standpoint? He Ray is 100% accurate. Brian Kelly was awful at getting backup backups anytime on all, specifically on offense. I think defense, they'd actually did a pretty decent job offensively. They just didn't. And so what does that look like in a Jared Parker, Marcus Freeman regime offensively? I don't know. I hope so. I hope that they are going to get these guys a little bit of quality playing time, but we won't know until we see it. And I think last year, you know, there were a couple of opportunities like the UNLV game obviously comes to mind where there were more opportunities they could have got some guys in the Boston College game as well but when you're down to two quarterbacks you're not going to put number 2 in there and put him in those more competitive type situation you know quality snaps because you don't want to risk him getting hurt that's why you just have you know hand the ball off hand the ball off that kind of stuff i think it all just it kind of depends on situations it, it you know like we said for where Notre Dame is right now with what they've got to do for 2024, you know, it's like you're not going to have a package like you had for Tyler Buckner a couple right. of years ago. But at the same time, I think that there is great benefit in like what we were talking about earlier, getting the backup or one of the back, you know, Either or, you know, at least Angeli, if not Menchie, depending on what point of the season it's in getting them out there and letting them at least have a series where they can run the whole offense and and not just be handing off at the end of games. I'm hoping, I'm hopeful that that's the case. And and they know, look, they're well aware of the experience level of the two other guys on the depth chart at quarterback. Yes. Right. They're well aware of that. So anytime that they can get those guys an opportunity to get on the field, I, I have to think that they're going to do that. But we don't know until we know. And I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity to make that happen. Yep. Another super chat. Thank you, Shelton Hager. 91, best part of the 19 offseason. What is everyone's concern about the running back room? Rightfully so. But then Kyron Williams happened. I mean, can anybody debate that Kyron Williams wasn't a, a great addition to the running back room? I mean... You know, we saw a flash of that in the one in the blue gold game. And I was like, wow, this kid can kind of run. I kind of like the way he does things. And then we didn't see him for a year and a half, yeah. uh, basically. And then all of a sudden, you know, he becomes Kyron Williams, right? So nowhere. that's why we can speculate all we want about all the different parts of the Notre Dame team every year. And something will always happen that's like, oh, a pleasant <laughs> surprise. This is good stuff. You know, it's the mm-hmm. fun. Of, it's the f- whole fun of this whole thing. So. That's why I like covering college athletics, to be honest with you, as opposed to professional athletics. I I enjoy this aspect of it. Guys stick around. They mature both physically, mentally, and all of a sudden they become studs that you're never going to forget. And this is important to remember that Michael says, Brian Kelly and Tommy Reese quarterback development is gone. Burn it out of memory. And not just quarterback development, but like all of the, the, you know, the, the thinking on what we've seen from offensive approach and just how they do things you're gonna have 
a completely different mind <laughs> operating right. things. You know, so everything that we think we know or everything that we've seen anyway for the last, what is it, 13 years, is going to be different now. Right. Now, I'm not saying that the offense is going to be drastically different other than you're going to have a more competent quarterback who can stretch the field like we've talked about. But just all those different things, it's all kind of a wait and see because it's, yeah. it's Jared Parker's offense now. And you it's know, the same and, terminology. And I think the head coach and, will also have more input. Yeah, the, the, the offense is going to look different. It's going to look a lot different, uh, in my personal opinion. They're gonna they're gonna be doing some different stuff offensively, and it it is going to be much approved, at least by this guy. Interesting one from Brent. This is one that I heard floated out there when Buckner was still making his decision. Is there a possibility Tyler Buckner transfers back? To Notre Dame. What are the transfer portal rules and regulations? <laughs> he could absolutely come back. He could. I mean, uh, is it allowed? Absolutely. I mean, uh, Stetson Bennett did it. He he was well, at Georgia. He left and played, and then came back to Georgia. So yeah. And there was a uh, Gaduli coached a guy at Cincinnati. I can't think of his name off the top of my head, but I think he went to like Eastern Michigan or something like that for, and then he went back again. Yeah. So it's exact same deal. It's possible. Highly doubtful. I, I think honestly, he burned some bridges when he left from what I can gather. Um, I don't think the staff was super happy that he left. Uh, he left one quarterback competition to slide into another one which it's just kind of weird um i i i don't know that he would be welcome back if i'm being honest i i would personally from a football x's and o's standpoint would love to have him back i just don't think that that is reality unfortunately yeah but theoretically <laughs> yeah because he'll have he'll have his degree by then I don't, I don't believe he got it at notre dame but he'll get it from Alabama at least in the next year, and so he could potentially could potentially come back. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. You know you Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC.